Mm, there are few things I love more than a great cup of coffee. And what's better? Well, a second cup of coffee, of course, to share with a friend. So for the holidays, I've teamed up with Currency Coffee. Yes, our friends there who are the official coffee of the John Kroll podcast to offer a buy one coffee and get a second one for free for any of their drip coffee choices. So here's what you do. Head on down to Currency Coffee at the Allendale Underground and tell the friendly barista there you heard it on the podcast. Give them the code Kroll32 and either Sarah, Emily, Jamie, Maddie, or Tammy, those are all the baristas there, will pour the second cup of coffee for free. And tell your friends, currency may be one of the best kept secrets in the Berkshires right now, but not for long. Okay, so the code again is Kroll32 for the free second cup of coffee at Currency during the holidays. Take advantage. All right, so cannabis photography must have some constraints that regular photography does not have. I have to assume that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and but that's the thing, though, is it just depends on who you are as a person. It's you can open it way up more than just um, plant photography. I talk to the actual growers. I get to know them. I it's almost in a form of journalism where I'm not just getting to know the plants that I'm personally um, getting to enjoy, but I get to know the people that are creating these plants and kind of get to know their process and what they're putting into it and you know what they're trying to take out of it so that I know what am I getting out of it. So it's almost like you know when you buy food from the grocery store you want to know where it's coming from and that's basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to figure out where is this cannabis coming from who are the people that are growing it and giving it to us and the people that we don't get to see when we walk into the store but these are the people that are hands-on with this important medicine that it is for some people and it's such an important story that goes untold and someone's got to tell it and so in and well you already know more about the industry than any normal photographer just stepping in saying hey i'm going to take some images of buds or is that that, uh you know or or the plants you know and i and i see a lot of your work is of that which of course you know we'll talk a bit more about the constraints but your background is actually you've done work in the industry other than photography yes Yep. So I started bud tending in 2019. Bud tending. Bud tending. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's the term. <laughs> it's a wonderful little, uh, <laughs> you know, cannabis term. It's fun. A little industry uh, gig <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, so I started bud tending in 2019. I just, I want to help people. That's just who I am. That's my personality. So to get to do a job where it was just constantly getting to talk to people and the things that they would tell me is, you know, this thing that you recommended me last time, it was amazing. It was perfect. What can you recommend me this time? So just get to connect with people a little bit more than I have at any other job and just a way that I felt like I was getting to put more out there of myself. It was, it was just a really beautiful thing. So I was like, how can I build off of this? How can I keep connecting and go a little bit farther with it? So the so. tending, what, what does that entail? Um, actually, okay. So we're growing the buds and then you're, so I'm or, like uh, the presenter. I'm your, okay. um, like your, uh, your personal assistant, if you will. Um, it's like, if you're going to the bar and you have your bartender and you know, they recognize like uh, recommend a drink. And so that's what I'm doing is I'm recommending a pre-roll. So people think that people are just recreationally smoking and it's always just, I'm just smoking to get high, which there are people that are doing that. 
Um, but I got more in the recreational side that people were coming and asking, I just need something that's going to lift me up. I've had a crappy day. Mm. And so that's what they're coming to me for. And I'm like, okay, this is the pre-roll for you. So it's not just a get me something. Well, that's interesting because generally speaking, one would think cannabis is the thing you want to chill out as opposed right. to sort of let's lift me up, you know, like there's a <laughs> that, at least that's, what things. that's in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, okay. There's so, so I learned things. something new already. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And that's what it's all about is just continuing to learn new things. Um, it's such a beautiful plant. It's so misunderstood after so many years. So to try to bring it back into light and have so many people have their own different opinions about it and to try to teach them that this isn't a bad thing. It's just something that was misunderstood that needs to be educated in a way that people want to be educated in it, but you have to want to do it yourself. You can't be forced into it, which people can feel like it is with how many dispensaries have been opening up and how intensely it's been coming out since legalization in 2016. Um, but just little steps here and there of just kind of easing everyone into it is it's making a huge difference. Yeah, I think there's definitely some sort of in the industry, uh, but also in the community as a whole, some growing pains to figure out, okay, where does this fit in? You know, mm -hmm. uh, clearly there's the the Wild West mentality where it's like, okay, there's a huge amount of money to be made. So there's a lot of uh, people who have invested in it. Some will, in my, my opinion, some will make it mm -hmm. and some may over time not make it uh, as far as that goes. And that's probably on how good their particular business model is, yep. you know, with this big market, um, because there is a lot of overhead mm -hmm. uh, in in this business as well. So, but that all aside, um, you know, right now there is a lot of weighing of okay, how does this fit into the community? Because we've seen some friction right. uh, in some neighborhoods, you know, uh, for Absolutely. sure, you know, with with the the smell of the, of the processing mm -hmm. and and things like that, but the product itself. Um, you know, I don't think I, don't, I haven't heard many complaints about, you know, <laughs> any products themselves. It's you know. doing its good. I think an amazing thing about some of our local dispensaries is they're actually doing outreach programs with the community where they're doing cleanup programs. I've worked for a few dispensaries where we've actually gone out in the community and just picked up trash or we did volunteer programs for veterans. And I got to jump into a frozen lake dressed as Ooh. a giant cannabis snug. <laughs> and I know it sounds crazy, but it was probably one of the best things I've ever done. And to know that these dispensaries, they do care about giving back to the communities that they're impacting. And, um, People don't always think to look at those things, but they're out here, they're doing it. And these are things that are worth mentioning and to worth acknowledging that they're trying. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and, and you know, in, in any industry, there's a sort of evolution and, and in our country and really around the world, what you've seen is, okay, you have sort of diversity mm -hmm. in, in businesses and then over time, they start to consolidate and consolidate. Yeah. So because of the structuring and because of the lack of accessibility, I guess that's the, across the country, mm -hmm. um, there, you know, it's, it hasn't been taken over by any corporate giants yet. Um, so as far as the local impact on, on the economy, there is a very positive impact because of the regulations and the ability for smaller businesses to grow. I mean, so there's, there's a lot of people who are working now in this industry in Berkshire right. County. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing to just see how just my friends that work in the industry, how much they just, they love what they do. They love going into work every day. And that's just a really great thing to see for people. Cause you know, 
wanting to get up and work every day who really wants to do that right, but right. you know well, like you're yeah. doing something where you can put your heart into it and you know you're getting something back out of it that's a beautiful thing and it's something to be cherished and it doesn't happen very often so i'm very glad that it's here um and i think massachusetts has the chance to do it the right way after seeing you know california and colorado kind of go through their aches and pains and the growing and the you know the canceling and everything that they had to go through massachusetts has the chance to look at everything that they've done and do it right. And I think so far we have been, um, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the bait ban because that was just a mess mm. <laughs> being mm. around for all of that. But so what was the vape ban? Remind me of that. Yes. <laughs> so that was our epidemic of jewels when they got rid of all of the jewel sales in the um, gas stations, but then Baker was like, no, we're going to get rid of all vaporized pens. So that included cannabis pens as well. So those of us in the dispensary, just one day doing our regular sales and all of a sudden our boss comes in and goes, stop selling pens, just stop what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it just immediately that day, all of our vape pens just had to go, we just destroyed. And it was, it was a hard few months in the industry going through that, just seeing all that product wasted, understanding, you know, what was going on behind it was just trying to get vapes out of society as far as- I think what any- business owner wants is some sort of understanding of what is the framework, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you, you can have your thoughts about vapes and, and certainly there are a lot of people who, and, and again, I'm not an expert in it, but I know they're not really that great, you know, necessarily, right, right. Uh, you know, but uh, when it comes down to it, what you want is some sort of consistency in, okay, we have an expectation that this is the law and this is the regulation. Mm -hmm. And it's going to stay this way. Yes. And so, and so that, that becomes problematic when regulation turns on a dime. Yes. And a lot of it was just differentiating between the differences between the THC vapes versus the nicotine vapes. Mm. And I think that's what was kind of blending here in the middle of when Baker was like, just shut down all vapes was our vapes were also kind of getting pulled into the draw. And so. like, I'm confused. Shut them all down. <laughs> right. Exactly. So we figured it out. So we're back to normal. Um, so that was a whirlwind to go through, but that's just what happens when you're trying to figure out all of these new things and um, it's going to keep happening and that's fine. It's just, I know that these people are ready for, you know, whatever these people are going to get thrown at them, but they'll figure it out. It'll be great. Um, and it's nice to see how everything kind of just comes right back. You know, when you think that, everything kind of feels kind of heavy and then it just lightens back up again. We're like, okay, no, we've got this. Um, it's very resilient. It's but, a resilient, well, it's resilient because there's demand. I exactly. mean, you know, at the end of the day, um, that's, that's really the issue. Do people like the product? And I think it's pretty clear what that answer is that, Absolutely. you know, people will continue to come back and it wasn't just maybe a year or well, how long actually, now, how long have you been working in the industry? Oh, about four years. <clears throat> four years. So it's yeah. not like, oh, it was about a year and a half of people being <laughs> curious and uh, and then and then it kind of, uh, uh, you know, fizzles out. Uh, so people continue to. Oh, it's get here to stay. Cannabis. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. And it's just going to keep growing, which is amazing. And that's the great thing about being my age in this industry. And it's coming out at the time that it is is that I can really make a name for myself and especially in Berkshire County, because we have 
you know, our homegrown dispensaries that I can really focus in on and make my connections with. And that's what I'm just really excited to do and to keep doing and to slowly do it and to not just think I'm going to make it to the end and just figure out all of my goals and smash them. And that's all. I'm just going to keep slowly breaking this grass ceiling that's above me and to keep figuring out, <laughs> don't laugh at me. I thought it was great. It was, it was I, great, I, I right? I think it's great. That's why. <laughs> because, um, you, because, you know, you didn't, you didn't say it with like a wink, wink. You just, you just went with it. Yeah, like, you know, I'm going to break that, that grass ceiling. But that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And there are so many women in this industry that are breaking it. it. Is, that, is that true? I mean, is there, I mean, actually, what industry were we talking about? Oh, I had, um, Aaron, who's on Lego Masters, mm-hmm. and um, and of course in that it's a whole different world. But but she talked about how in that um, fandom world uh, there there was kind of uh, a bit of a chauvinistic, if that's the right term, um, you know, man kind of centric uh, uh, focus there, and they had to have um, groups for women so that they could kind of feel comfortable in that in that world. Is is there any similarity there, you know, in cannabis? Cannabis is a female plant. That's one that that's what you're smoking is the female plant. So Mm. to say that women aren't the most important part of this plant would be (laughs) such a lie. (laughs) Um, And I think that women in the Berkshires have done such a great job with really taking this industry by hold and saying, this is ours and we're going to keep it ours and we're going to make it ours. And um, it's a beautiful thing to see uh, the dispensaries that are fully run by women. You have Calix and Rebel, and they're just wonderful women and wonderful people. I've worked with both of the women, and they're just really and awesome. And which businesses are those? So these are in Great Barrington, okay. and they're both dispensaries run by women. Um, we have, you know, just so many wonderful people in this industry that are worth getting to know, other than just the plant that they're selling. And I think that's what makes this industry so fun is that it's not just sales. It's not just retail, but this is people. And, you know, it's not just people buying it, it's people giving it and real people experiencing it that are also selling their experience of the plant. So mm-hmm. I think that's the main connection of it all. And that, and that is huge. And I don't care if you're selling menswear or my, my friend Evan Valenti <laughs> or, uh, or what, you know, because every, every product you know, is, is a commodity, you know, so, mm-hmm. so what, what's the, what's the difference, you know, exactly. and, and the difference is that relationship and trust, because I suppose, well, you can't, you can't get cannabis on Amazon, but, you know, <laughs> but hypothetically, there's a lot of places you can, you, you can get it, you know, certainly in Massachusetts, but the difference is the knowledge and the trust and, and all that. So I assume that this industry is similar to many other industries in that way. Absolutely. But I think that's what's going to make a dispensary stand out from others is how much are you putting into this, into the people, and how much are you listening to the people that work for you? Mm. And that really shows wow. through employees as being an employee <laughs> myself in man, a dispensary. you hit the nail on the head, man. I'm that's what you. it is. Yeah. You, you know, see it. Listen to your employee. If there, You know, I got to tell you, if, if there's one thing that every business owner, every school superintendent any mayor, you have to listen to your people. And I mean, really listen, uh, because there's listening and then there's real listening. And that's, that's, that is so important. Oh, absolutely. And it shows when I walk into a dispensary and I see butt tenders that are behind the counter and they're just 
pumped up, smiled and ready to go, but it doesn't look like it's fake. It's genuine. I just know someone back there that's taking care of them. They may have pumped them up for like their morning meeting. Maybe they're just getting paid really well. I don't know. But you know that they're just, they're genuinely <laughs> happy hurt. to be there. Exactly. Doesn't it hurt. doesn't hurt. Right. But it's just, it's nice to see when people are genuinely being taken care of. And in an industry where you can take care of your people that are, it shows. And those are the dispensaries that are going to stay open and continue to draw customers back is you feel that genuinity instead of just seeing people fake projecting it. And it's, it's an awesome thing when you walk into a dispense and you're like, <laughs> these people love it here. So I want to love it here. You know what I mean? Those are the people that care. And that's what it's awesome. I do hope that you are enjoying the podcast. I just want to take a quick moment to let you know that this is a production of 180 Media. That's my full service communications and marketing agency. We do a full range of content development, graphic design, web development for WordPress or Wix or other web platforms, copywriting, video work. Check out 180media.com and see also some of my past work and the agency's past work on my blog, johncroll.info. And now back to the podcast. Jocelyn bringing the grass ceiling. Um, tell me about the the brand. I, I, I Madcana. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So and 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 what that building a brand, you know, as yourself. Mm -hmm. How does this? How how is this process? You say you want it. It sounds like you want it to be a slow and sturdy yes. process, yeah. um, right? And that makes a lot of sense. But um, but what does that mean uh, for you? Um, so I started off just buying flour from dispensaries and just taking pictures of it and posting on the internet. And then all of a sudden people were like, okay, like you're really good at this. Like this is pretty cool. And I was like, okay, so maybe I should start reaching out to dispensaries and taking pictures of the flour before it goes into the packaging. So I got with my manager at the dispensary at the time. And I was like, Hey, like, can you talk to a grower for me and just, you know, see if there's just a few free pictures that I can take. And I went into this dispensary, took a few pictures and I was like, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. So I posted them and I kept gaining traction. And then Instagram found me and was like, Oop, delete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they deactivated me when I was, I want to say in my prime, but that's okay. We can, we can come back. It's, it's fine. It's all about the comeback. Um, and that's the thing with weed is you're never going to get it right the first time. So, you know, it's just how much better can you do it the second time? Yeah. I mean, what I found is, uh, definitely, uh, on the social media, um, anytime that we've had videos that we post on Instagram, you know, they're shadow banned. Uh, mm -hmm. so you're, you, you know, you're not going to get that traction as you would maybe on that nice inspirational video mm -hmm. with, you know, someone saying some inspirational stuff or what have you. And, and, and the content from this podcast is very much dialogue yeah. focused, you yeah. know, so it's really much about, uh, those words and that sort of thing. But, um, but it, it leads I'm sure to some more creativity as to how to get around that and still get your message across exactly. and I presume that you can get your message across on your own entities, say a website, um, or, you know, or your clients websites, that sort of thing. So at least there's that, but there's so many people of your generation and I'm not sure how old you are, but, <laughs> um, but people of, of your generation, my generation who are first and foremost going to the, uh, Instagram app, the Facebook app, um, TikTok, uh, immediately before they would ever google something so mm -hmm. um so that's an interesting shift on on behavior uh for the younger generation so you gotta kind of be there exactly you have to just be 10 steps ahead 
of what you know society is going to be like. And I think that's what makes a good, I want to say not so much just an influencer, but a good entrepreneur is to just kind of know where this market's going to shift and where the society's going to shift and where that's going to go. You have to be ready to ebb and flow with everything. And even though I'm just a photographer, I want to know what are the people that I want to project my photography for? What are they looking for? And what's cool to them and what's going to be cool and what's not cool yet, but could be cool if I created it. You know what I mean? So it's nice to see all these other photographers around the United States that are cannabis photographers and seeing what they're doing and seeing how I can bring that to Massachusetts and just see the crazy things that people can do. It's absolutely insane. So like what? Um, just macro photography of some of these plants and you just see how detailed these things are and just where all the elements of it come from like where the thc and the cbd are stored inside like little molecules people can take pictures of that it's so cool and Mm. i can't wait to get as good as doing something like that to really show people that this is where it's actually coming from it's not just this little plant or this little nug in the container it's actually in something you know what I mean? it's science it's so cool it's just something that we don't know more enough about to really know how much we should be appreciating it and once we do more and like and once we do more research and get more information on it we'll start to be more inclusive to it and more open to it and i think that's what we really need right now is to just educate more people so that they aren't scared of it and they're not repelling it as they're more just I understand now and I'm more comfortable with it. I may not want to do it or I want anything to have it in my life, but just to know that it's, it's not the scary thing that we, yeah, well, I mean, I've had uh, Jim Bronson and I had the conversation. He's from the CBD store and uh, in depth on receptors and, Mm -hmm. and, and all of that. And so how there are literally parts of us and, and in our chemical makeup that fit perfectly with, you know, some of the THC and, and so forth. I am, am by no means an expert, <laughs> but I think there's enough out there to understand, okay, there's, there's value to this that goes beyond just, you know, sort of recreation. And, right. and so because of that, I find it very interesting because you talked about, this is science, this is science. Mm-hmm. And one of the bands that we have in general marketing in, in public, you know, you can't put cannabis, the image of cannabis on a billboard, an actual image of it, which is really, I find that interesting because there's all kinds of other marketing that these cannabis companies do, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of graphic design, things like that. But, but what's more natural than the actual plant? I know. I find that, I find that interesting now kind of going back, uh, to those initial regulations. It is. It's, the whole thing, you want to think that you can understand it, but at the end of the day, you're never really going to. You just have to just go with it. Mm. <laughs> There's no fighting it. It's just finding your way of making it yours and then just doing what they tell you to do, but yeah, kind of doing it with a spin, you know, yeah. a little sparkle. <laughs> I think you still can put like a beer can on a billboard. Right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, right? I mean, you just, you want to be understood. You want to be welcomed into the society. So you're just going to do what you're told just so you can yeah. be a part of the party. You know what I mean? And mm. if that's what we have to do, then I guess we'll just, we'll do it. And then our time will come. It'll, it'll happen, but we'll do it the right way. You know what I mean? And I think that's part of why I'm trying to take everything slow for my own career is watching the industry kind of take it slow is, if we're going to do this, it's going to be huge. It's going to be long lasting 
far beyond me and any generation behind me and to just do it the right way the first time. And, you know, we're going to make our mistakes, but to just keep going in with the mindset of keeping it straightforward. You know what I mean? And what have you seen working in the industry? Of course, you don't have to name particular companies. It sounds like you work with uh, a handful of them. Um, but what are some of the challenges that they're seeing because okay well the, the good thing is like we said plenty of demand mm -hmm. okay so that that's something that really props up the industry for sure um staff seem to like working mm -hmm. there uh staff members so I'm, I'm sure that's you know maybe staffing isn't maybe as much of an issue in cannabis as it is in many other industries or like just as a whole with as, everything going as on. a whole yeah, yeah. it's maybe, fair to say maybe a little still... bit less of an issue there but still an <laughs> right, issue yeah. okay um, you know, but, but what are some of the challenges that you're seeing, uh, it, uh, in, in that industry, if you're, if you're seeing that, um, a big challenge in the industry, Ooh, that's a hard <laughs> one. I mean, there's, there's so many, it can be people, it can be things that you don't know that, you know, you need to know that you don't find out until after. And you're like, well, that was a mistake, <laughs> but I guess that's just with anything, um, a uh, huge, but a huge challenge is just knowing that you need to keep learning and educating yourself because if you're not constantly trying to be better, you're going to find this industry is just going to knock you right down and mm. someone's going to put you in your place. So you have to just keep broadening your own horizons and figuring things out for yourself. Don't wait for someone to come up to you and be like, all right, this is time to learn what CBG means and CBD means. No, you need to take the initiative to figure it out so that when you go out to do something, there's a lot of cannabis events. And if you want to put yourself out there into this industry, when you go to these events, you want to know what you're talking about. You want to be able to put your best foot forward. And so a mistake that a lot of people think is, well, if I can just smoke a lot of pre-rolls, I'd be fine at a party. And yeah. it's like, no, you need to come in with a conversation. You need to bring something to the table a pre -roll. other than just what, a pre-roll. Yeah. What, what is a pre-roll? So a pre-roll is, oh goodness, <laughs> how do I explain what a pre-roll is? <laughs> um, so it's You're a, talking to someone who knows next to nothing. About, oh, okay. So, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad to bring this little world to you. Um <laughs> So it's a, I don't know how to explain it. Oh my goodness. This is really being put on the spot here. So it's like a, it's like a cone, you mm -hmm. know, like a cylinder, like a, think of like an ice cream cone. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just like packed in with flour mm -hmm. and, but it's paper. It's not an actual ice cream cone. Yeah. Um, and then you just, that's how you, you smoke it. It's, oh, oh, so you're so it's like a to go thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just like ro rolling your weed, right? <laughs> exactly. That's, okay. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, well, you said pre-roll. I thought there was some, you know, so it's just <laughs> industry rolling. terms. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, so looking at that, um, the opportunity that's there, because I think initially now this being four years, five years since all this kind of uh, came and these uh, businesses are popping up, a lot of people look at the original owners and investors and say, okay, that's where the opportunity is. And that is very true because a lot of those people, uh, men, women are making a lot of money. I presume a lot of overhead, mm -hmm. um, a lot of taxes, you know, for sure. Um, but they're probably making a, a lot of money. Um, but then there's other opportunities. So tell me about those kinds of jobs. You talked about the, the bud tender as right. it were, you know, you're certainly doing your marketing, um, as a photographer and, uh, and probably other work 
as well. Um, but what are the kinds of opportunities that that seem to be popping up in this industry? Um, what I've been seeing a lot of is becoming a cultivator. So becoming a farmer and a grower and to actually get hands-on with the plants, not just doing the retail side of it. Um, it's nice to see that more dispensaries are actually having their own grows so that it's entailing more jobs for more people to learn how to do it themselves. Um, you also have the program at BCC where they're teaching you how to grow and how to be part of the industry. So after you take that course, you actually can go work in a dispensary. So going into it with a little bit of knowledge. And I think that's a great thing. It's a great entryway for a lot of people trying to get into it who have a little trouble doing it on their own and just take that step and to go through BCC. That's an incredible thing for them to open up to, to know, like they're inclusive into that. That's so cool, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, um, there's, there's everything that you want it to be in more. It's whatever you want to make it. You can be in marketing where you just take pictures like what I did. You can do marketing where you write blog entries. You can be a bud tender where you're going to other stores and talking about what your store's product creates and, um, more of like a, like an influencer, but for a store, um, there's just so many different things that you can do. Anything that you can think of that you present, they're probably going to be like, yeah, let's try it. Why not? Let's do it. Um, you know, and I think the fact that it's so endless and that you just have to be creative enough to just think about something and to think that, yeah, I could do that. I could make that into something. And then mm -hmm. you do. And it's so inclusive of the industry to be like that. Cause as being part of a stoners, you're just creative and there's just no boundaries to what you can do. So I've done so many things. I've been a bud tender. I've done growing. I've had hands on with the plants. I've done marketing. I've been the blog writer. You know, I've done it all. I think I've completely <laughs> gone across the spectrum of everything. And I think just um, knowing that you can do whatever you want in this industry and that nothing's holding you back if you just believe in yourself is a really great thing, which weed will teach you how to do that, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> It'll be the push forward that you need. Now, in the middle of COVID, mm -hmm. you started a project that yes. uh, got a little bit of uh, publicity, got some ink yeah. for it. Um, I believe it was the Front Porch Photography Project, yes. uh, something along those lines. Yes, yep, my Tell Front Porch Photography bit. Project. Oh, that was so fun. So, well, I was in COVID lockdown with a bunch of my friends. We all lived in the same house and I was like, well, this is so cool. So we just took a lot of pictures together, just wanted to like create memories of the people that we were stuck with during this really odd time. Yeah. And I thought as a photographer, and I did a lot of family photography too, I thought, what can I do to help other people kind of remember this odd time and bring a positive spin onto it? Because that's just who I am. I just, I love to make people happy. I love to be positive. So I was like, I need to get out of my house. I need to interact with people, but how can I do that safely? And um, I thought of, well, why not do this front porch photography project where I go out and I meet new people. And so I post online, I was like, hey, whoever you're in your house with, let me come and take a picture of you on your front porch and I'll give it to you and you guys can just have it forever. And I got an amazing response out of it. So many people are like, oh my goodness, come take a picture of me with my friend. I have people in their pajamas and Crocs with their dog, one of my <laughs> my best friends who- I'm And everybody wants to be in their pajamas and, and their Crocs exactly. for a photo, right? <laughs> well, so a lot of the families actually got their kids into it because they're like, you don't have to get changed. You don't have to do a single thing, no makeup just your Crocs. And so that was really awesome. I 
have a picture of a late friend that just passed away and she was mm -hmm. part of that project. So to have that memory of her is one of the most important pictures I think I'll ever have in my life. So to have done that project and to have her support me through it. And now that she's gone to have that picture is just really important. So I know why I did it was for a reason. Um, and it brought a lot of happiness to a lot of families. I got to meet people I never would have met if I didn't do it. People right down the street from me that have been my whole life and I had no idea. And I got to meet them for the first time during COVID when I was supposed to be six feet away, which I was the whole time. It was very COVID friendly, but um, it was a really awesome project and it was really fun. What is it about a camera and, and, and of course, people respond different ways. A lot of people run from cameras. Um, <laughs> I've seen that too. But um, but the but the process of photography, working with someone or a group of people, you know, tell me about that. You know, how do you approach it? Um, because it can be really a, a a remarkable experience. It is. I think a lot of it for me is just the experience of just taking the photos. It's a memory. You know, you have your pictures that you can look at forever, but it's how you feel when you were taking those photos. That's what is going to show in the photos. So I like to go in with it with genuinity and I just like to make people laugh and just feel comfortable. And there's no posing, like put your hands over here and, you know, dad has to stand on this side and mom over here, you know, it's just be yourselves because that's the memories that you want to keep or just when you're living your life and you're being yourselves and um, it's just capturing your happiness. And so my favorite part of it is when I get that perfect picture of usually it's like a little girl or a little boy and they're just, they weren't prepared for the photo. So, you know, they have that face. And <laughs> so when I get the photo and I sit on my laptop and I'm editing it and I, I can just sit there for a second and just think like how sweet of a moment this is for this family to get this photo back. And they're just going to laugh and they're going to be so happy that they have this memory of their, their kid or their sister. And to just know that I did that for somebody that in 30 years from now, they're going to open up their photo box and they're going to look at this photo and be like, oh my goodness, like how funny was that? How cute were you? And to just know that's my impact in life is to just know there's going to be so many photos out there that I took for people that mean so much for them and that they're going to hold on to for the rest of their lives and pass that. And to just have that genuine moment and to capture it frozen in a photo or a video, it's it's a really hard thing to do, but it's something that I think that I've tried to be good at and that I'm thinking I'm kind of getting good at here. So um, I don't know. It just every time I do it, I feel so good that I'm like, I can't wait to do it again. And so I think that's just what keeps driving me to push me forward is just making people happy and to just see how excited they get when they see their photos. And you make me look so good. I'm like, girl, you just you always looked good. I just <laughs> took a picture of it, you know, and. Um, and so that's when you want to get people in their happiest moment. And that's not always their most perfect moment. And that's an important thing to learn as a photographer is you're never going to get the perfect photo. You just have to let it happen. And then once you just let go of the reins and just trust in your, your talent and your instincts and just let your camera do what it needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, perfection can be just authenticity. Exactly. What's, you know, what's perfect. It's like, <laughs> it's like beauty is the eye. The beholder, you exactly. know, what, what is perfect? Right. Um, and that now this question is probably a little bit different as the generations move on because, you know, kids can pick up an iPhone today and take photos with it when they're four years old. But um, but when did you first pick up a camera? What, you know, when were you inspired and, and thought that maybe that was something you'd want to do? 
Oh, wow. I think my first time ever picking up a camera was for figure skating. I figure skated my whole life. Oh, really? And um, I think I, I got like a little pink Kodak camera. It was probably like the cutest little flimsiest six-year-old camera that you could ever get. <laughs> I bedazzled the crap out of it. It was awesome though. And I just remember always taking pictures of everything we did, every skiing competition. Everyone was always like, oh, there's Jocelyn with their camera again. And I just wanted memories. I just wanted something to go home to, to look back at and be like, oh my goodness, like look at all these fun things that we did. And then I realized that if I actually took the time to like think about what I was taking pictures of, I could actually capture things that I really wanted to remember. And so I think it was just because of skating and just knowing I wanted to hold on to those memories so tight. And this is before iPhones. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a really awesome thing to remember is taking pictures before an iPhone. Um, <laughs> it really is. I mean, I remember is. back in the day when it was a big deal, even in you know marketing purposes, you had to get a camera that would take a high res digital mm -hmm. image. Of course, before that, there was film. Um, and I, I do recall because I worked in uh, as a journalist and newspaper, I was right at that cusp of when the photographers started taking digital. Uh, so I'm so that dates me a little bit. But uh, but yeah, it, it, it was so different when you couldn't just take a high res photo uh, with whatever you're holding in your pocket being an iPhone. Generally. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that was a huge change, I think, for photography was the ability to just have a camera in your pocket. You know, when you were growing up, your 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 teachers were always like, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket your whole life. And now look at us, we have <laughs> a calculator do. in our pockets. Well, as you're a photographer, wrong. right. And as a photographer, <laughs> just, it's hard yeah. to carry a giant camera in your pocket. It's, right. it's not something that's easy to do. And having a photographer heart, I see something I just wish, oh my goodness, I wish I had my camera here so I could take such a cool picture of it. <laughs> and so I'm so glad that phones have developed such an awesome camera sense mm. now that you can get almost like a basic camera in your phone, which is awesome. So just the convenience of having it right on your hip at any time, whenever you need it, that's such an awesome thing for everything. It's just you can keep your memories more often than just being like, Oh, I left my camera at home. <laughs> I can't remember how many vacations I had with my grandparents where they were like, Oh, we forgot the camera at home. And now we don't have to worry about it. Cause we have our phones in our of pockets. Course. So. And you probably have, you know, 150 pictures easy exactly. uh, from vacation. <laughs> um, you know, maybe every single little you know, place there's a hundred uh, photos or something. And um, that's really interesting. That is interesting. Um, I've always found cameras, you know, to be disarming mm -hmm. um, for people, and I think it it, it is something that um, you know uh, can can really uh, spark something and a, and a connection between people, and it can really lead to great photography. And I and I love great photography, so I'm I'm always fascinated by it. We've had with um, Mark Krasinski. I don't know if you know Mark at yes. all. Yep. He's been on the show. Uh, we've had some other photographers here as well, and um, love getting into that craft. But you were a figure skater. Yes. Um, so that was a big deal for you in your childhood. I mean, I don't want to say childhood. I guess you, I'm sure you were young, right? <laughs> oh, you yeah. Started? It was yeah. my whole childhood. Okay. I think it was basically my entire identity. But that's when did okay. you start? I started when I was about five or six. Mm -hmm. um, my grandparents just threw me into every sport and was just like, whatever one sticks, sticks. So I tried everything. And then I was like, well, let's do the most expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do figure skating. Um, and I started when I was six. I did it for, I like to say I still do it now. So almost 20, 24 years, um, did it competitively. I did synchronized skating for the Pitsuo Pinwheels for about 17 years. Wow! So that was a long time of, 
Um, but I put my whole heart and soul into it. It was such a beautiful sport and I have the best friends of my entire life. So is that at the boys club? Or... Yes. Yep, okay. Yep, the boys right and the girls, girls club. club. Yeah. 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 Um, the awesome part is it's open during the winter. So it's right down the street. Sad part is it's closed in the summertime. <laughs> so we'd have to drive everywhere else to try to find skating. Um, really? Okay. But surprisingly around the, um, the winter Olympics, figure skating everywhere. Every place has outdoor skating rinks because right. everyone wants to be a figure so skater. So tell me this, tell me this, <laughs> um, Pittsfield, mm -hmm. there's no outdoor skating. At least I, I, I'm not aware of any, uh, historically it was always at the common yes. and for many, many years, we'd always hear from people saying, why don't we have that anymore? And to be honest with you, I'm not really sure why it stopped. Now, of course, the common, you can't do it because there's a lot, it's not a big flat surface anymore. Yeah. Um, but I guess my question is, uh, if we were to get a nice rank outdoor rank, <laughs> um, do you think people would, would like that and use that? I think absolutely. If you give people the opportunity to use something, they're going to use it with the new splash pad that just came in at Clap Park everyone's using it because you put it there people are going to utilize it i think it would be such a great thing to have for kids um especially to be outdoors and to get fresh air during the winter time it's hard to want to be outside in the winter i think mm. that's one of the worst things about winter is that cold air um but i think it was the best part about figure skating is i when i stepped out on the ice it was just a breath of fresh air but it just feels like that cold fresh air and to just be able to learn something new and to have something new to do with your family. Um, I know that they do the ice in Lee. Mm. They have um, the public skating in Lee. On Where's there. that? It's um, right off of the the main road, uh, the common area. They okay. do it right there. It's okay. only for like a few weeks though, but it's free and you can just go out there. They have the lights yeah. and everything. Yeah, I was wondering, I mean, like what's, you know, is it a liability thing or whatever? Because the fire department used to go in and they would just run the hose. I know, right. I and mean, they'd, and they let make sure it stayed, you know, no one would go on it. So it stays smooth and, and let it freeze. And, and I guess that's, that's how it was done for, for years through my childhood but even through my middle years i it's been gone for i don't know at least a couple of decades at least or more um so that's that's why i asked that um i think that would be fantastic we got, you know i mean clap park you mentioned it has a big flat space over there mm -hmm. you know people can slide you know they slide down the hill but then there's still a big flat area um right. you know on, on clap park so I could see that being a possibility. Why not? Absolutely. I think it would be an awesome spot, but it's, I think if it was there, people would use it. I think it's a beautiful art and a sport that has definitely lost its touch in society, but slowly coming back. I see figure skating coming back to people. And not even, and, and even just skating in general, you know, they don't have to do the twirls or the, you know, just people on their skates, exactly. you know, like Rockefeller Center, Rockefeller Center. I mean, you know, people have fun out there and they're not always doing pirouettes. And everything. <laughs> Is that a technical term? Is that a, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely more ballet, but know, I'll let it slide. I know less about figure skating than I do about <laughs> cannabis. So, um, <laughs> but, um, well, roller skating is becoming a huge thing now. Is it? Trends are coming back. I mean, roller, everyone's roller skating and line yeah. skating, roller skating. Um, I think that figure skating will definitely tie its way into all of that. Um, just everyone's just trying to get more outside after being cooped up in the pandemic for so long. I think people are just looking for more hobbies that are getting them out of their house and mm. into doing something and learning something new and getting new hobbies. It's yeah. I think, I think there's maybe a part of that is just, is going back to those basics in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. we've gone so far 
into technology and uh, you know the screens and and that sort of thing, just to have those social interactions while doing something fun. You don't really have to. I mean, people still can have fun roller skating, even though there's Roblox and there's exactly. all that stuff. It's, it's okay. <laughs> they can both, they can both exist. Right. Right. And they just extended the bike trail. So, I mean, <laughs> all the more reason to go and learn how to roller skate. <laughs> <laughs> Got to see what the new part of it's all about. Yeah. And, um, there's a, a property on West Susitonic street that is up for auction. Now it's the old, uh, Aracy, uh, building there, you know, West Susitonic. Yeah. And I thought that there was, uh, an investor who was going to, create a bowling alley there. That was what I had heard. And maybe I was getting bad information, but it was from very good sources. So I thought that that was the plan, but now it's up for auction, but that's a very big space over there. I don't know if the building is salvageable, but that's, that's a perfect place for a roller skating rink if they don't do bowling. Um, but a great thing would be, you know, a little bowling, a little roller skating, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, all that stuff. Let's, let's bring it back. Exactly. A little bit more inclusivity, more things to do around town. I mean, there's plenty of things to do if you look hard enough, but I think a little <laughs> bit more fun to do. You know what I mean? Well, luckily we have, um, a new uh, kids kind of place, yes, uh, fun spot. Yeah, a fun spot. I saw that. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, that the, the old retro fitness or fit, <laughs> one of the planet fit. I don't know. I can't, I get them mixed up, but anyway, uh, but that's good. That's good for parents, yeah. you know, bringing kids to birthday parties and all that, especially since we lost candle lanes, you know, I which know. was a great place for parties and, and that sort of thing. Tell me about figure skating and how that shaped you. I mean, I, I come from a background where, you know, uh, I was a distance runner and I ran through college and I, and I was recruited to go there. So I was like, that, that was a big part of me. So I can imagine for you to be doing this for, it, it must be like just a core of you. Like it's, yeah. it's embedded in your soul, <laughs> yes. right? It's who you are. Yes. Yep. Um, all of my best friends were figure skaters. Um, my grandparents showed up to every single thing I did. I went to so many competitions. They've their poor butts are probably still so oh, sore from sitting all those bleachers. <laughs> There's nothing I can and do. And it's cold to too. Yeah, it's freezing. <laughs> and my grandpa recorded every single competition. Oh, I awesome. have everything on video. So if you ever need any embarrassing videos on me, it's on figure skates <laughs> <laughs> in a tutu. Um, but I think what it really did was just show me how to respect people around you and to respect the things that you were given to utilize, you know, the Boys and Girls Club isn't the greatest figure skate uh, ice rink in the world. You know, it rains inside of the skating rink. When why, you're why skating, it, rain? it rains. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> is it from leaks it's, or is it just like, just, you know, not the greatest rink in the world. Okay. They didn't put a lot of love into it when they opened it. It's on the fifth floor. Yeah. How many skating rinks do you know of are on the fifth <laughs> floor of a building? <laughs> you know, so I feel like just starting off there was just like the bad idea. Um, but you know what we did? What? we had to do with what we had and a lot of us made really far in figure skating to think about this little teeny tiny rank that we came from going to all the way to san diego for the state games of america and mm. walking into one of those skating rinks and just looking at everything an olympic sized figure skating rink compared to this little teeny tiny basketball <laughs> basketball court sized skating rink and just thinking wow like this is so cool but you have to just appreciate what you have and um, because you make yourself um, what you have. So it it's not about what you're given. It's about what you can make out of it is what I'm trying to say. Sure. So um, 
with figure skating, you just, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in the other people you're skating with, especially with synchronized skating. You are with 17 other girls on that Imagine, ice. Yeah. And if one person slips up, we're all slipping up because we all have to match. But at the same time, you, you trust everyone. We practice every day. You know, we have off ice bonding and off ice practice and all of these things to get you prepared. And it's still nerve wracking when you get out there in competition, but you know, you have to trust your girls and to know that you got me, I got you. So mm. it was, it's a lot of pressure at a young age, but at the same time, it was a fun pressure because you just, you're with, you know, with your friends and you're just doing these experiences and you're not perfect. You're 15, 16 years old. <laughs> and, um, you put a lot of pressure on yourself at that age, but at the same time, looking back at it, I wouldn't have changed a single thing. All the times that we've lost, but still had the best time in the hotel or just had great dinners, you know, just um, finding the positive light and everything. It's, it's a hard thing to do in sports, but it was something that was easy to do because I was always with my friends. Mm. So that was a really great Make thing. me want to put a pair of skates on. <laughs> Get out there. Um, I, I love the, I love that enthusiasm and i know you know i'm sure there are times in your life that you're probably like man you just probably felt burnt you know because mm -hmm. you get that you know when you, you know, when you're highly competitive and you do it every single day at some point it's just it it can be tough um, but that's that's part of it you know that's part of the mental tenacity yeah. that you get in high level competitive uh sports mm -hmm. you know especially individual sports although this is kind of like a combination you know your team individual with the right. synchronized yeah know. yep um i think the hardest part about knowing what i was doing was just realizing i wasn't going to accomplish everything i wanted to but still knowing that i accomplished enough to look back on it and be proud of it um I think that's a, just a really great thing. Sorry, I'm rambling. <laughs> no, it, it, it is because 99.9% .9 of people who c compete at that level, whether it's that sport or other sports, will get to that point mm -hmm. because there's only one gold medalist, yeah, you know, no, or there's only a certain number that make the Olympics. So therefore, most people will run into that wall mm -hmm. and they have to deal with that yeah. um mentally emotionally and it's hard it is it's it's hard <laughs> i've been there it's, it's so hard. hard yeah but the great thing about figure skating is that the adult skating world is so wonderful they're yeah. so inclusive and though i'm still young i'm still considered an adult skater i'm not competitive anymore i'm just going for my gold medals which is where you do your um, basic, uh, I don't know how to say this, but, um, <laughs> just certain things that, you know, you have to, you can call it, you know, the, the... <laughs> uh, just like basic moves and things that okay. you, you get tested on by coach or by judges. And you have to, pass. I didn't know if there was some term no. in, the, in the sport that you're like, John's just not going to understand what that <laughs> no. is. What, what am I going to call this thing? But yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's like your figure eights. Right, exactly. Like oh, see? So see? yes, you, I gotcha. The you get tested eight. on these things. Yeah. <laughs> and so you get gold medals. There's three different medals that you can get for dance, freestyle, and moves in the field. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got my moves in the field and my dance. So I want to get my freestyle, be a triple gold medalist. Um, so that's like a personal goal in the figure skating world. Is that something that you can accomplish? And that's not something that ever stops after a certain age. Um, I mean, you see these kids in 
the Olympics and they're like 16, 17, 18 mm. doing triple axles. I'm yeah. never going to, never going to get to that point. But if I can get my triple gold, that's something I can work on until I see 75 year olds out here getting their freestyle medals and everything wow. like that. And how hard is it to do a triple axle? Um, it's very hard. <laughs> I've only got up to probably like a single <laughs> working on the double still at my age. Like, I feel like I can do it, but it's very hard. But at yeah. that age, you're young and you're made of rubber. So it's very easy to do something like that and fall and get back. Is it, um, you know, because of, um, just, I don't know, center of gravity or what have you, is it, is it easier for the younger, uh, competitors in some ways? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, I think that's just what your body can allow to happen. But then again, it's really just how much are you willing to put into it and how much to practice at this age? I can still do a lot of my double jumps and stuff. I mean, I'm 27 now and I've been doing my double jumps since maybe like 14, 15, 16. So just consistently coming back to doing them and doing them off ice and knowing that if I get on the ice and do this jump, I might not be able to ever walk again. <laughs> We're going to try it anyway. But muscle memory is such a, it's such a thing. And they talk about it all the time. But once you're actually out there and I go up into a jump and I'm like, let's see what happens. And my body just knows what to do. And then I land it. I'm like, okay, this is okay. This is fine. Science is right. I'm going to listen to them now. <laughs> um, so that's really awesome is to just know that it's a, an acquired skill that I learned that's never going to go away. No matter how much my body depletes, I'm still going to be able to do things that um, make it still the beautiful sport that I fell in love with. And, and so that's... how much practice does that mean now uh, for, is it, is it still uh, I just go when I can okay, at this okay. point. So yeah. It's, it's not... just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's really, I, I think there are a lot, maybe many, many people who don't even realize that there is a figure skating program, mm -hmm. um, in the Berkshires. Yes. Um, and so, uh, that, you know, I, I, I only recently sort of learned about that, um, through some, uh, other people, um, before speaking with you, but, um, but even there, um, it's, it's maybe a little bit of news there. So if there are people, um, you know, who, who think that maybe, uh, they have a, a young one who maybe, uh, may want to do that, then, uh, then, Hey, there is a program for us. So it's the boys, mm -hmm. boys and girls club. Um, and, and so what is the organization that actually, is it, is it a separate organization that, so uh, there's the Christmas Brook figure skating club. They're based in North Adams okay. in the veteran skating rank. I'm not sure if Pittsfield figure skating club is still a club. I think they are. And they're the ones that are going to be in the boys and girls club. And okay. that's the club that I started off with. I yeah. started basic skills, which is the program that they, that they have. So did coaching for that for a little bit. And it's just weird to go full circle from one day I was marching on this ice and now I'm teaching other kids how to march awesome. on the ice. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome to see, um, people that I taught and that are older now and graduating high school. And it's like, Oh my goodness, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but then to see them teach and to see that this is just constantly going to be a generational thing. And it's not the biggest thing in Berkshire County, but we are a little community and we love each other very much and mm. we hold each other up. So it's, it's an awesome thing to even just try to get started in just like swimming or trying basketball or soccer, try figure skating. Why not? And it's really fun and very inclusive and it's a very wholesome sport too. Mm. It's a lot of give back for it. Sounds like you had a very supportive grandfather. T you know, tell me about growing up. What was it like uh, growing up here in the Berkshires? Yeah. So my grandparents adopted me when I was six. Um, and I grew up in Dalton. 
So, you know, my quiet little neighborhood in Dalton, I loved it. Um, my grandparents supported everything that they could. Anything I wanted to do, we did it. We went to Disney all the time. Universal, always watched movies. SpongeBob was a huge thing. So I quote SpongeBob all the time because of my grandpa. <laughs> uh, he's my favorite person in the world. <laughs> um, and so, and they're very inclusive people in the community. So they have taught me to just be an open person and to just accept all opportunities and to just say yes and to create your own opportunities and to just reach out to people and just, you know, and if you're a wonderful person, it's okay to share that with other people. So I think that's an awesome thing about It's not interesting that that's a thing because you, you, you raise that as, as a point and to say that, and you know, there, there is sometimes a mentality that says, no, you, you know, humility or, but it's not, it's not humble versus not humble. It's just some, it's just, you know, sharing yourself with the world, you yeah. know, um, it's and, a sense and, of vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but also, you know, it's okay to, it's okay to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, a, I think it's a form of confidence yeah. to know that I'm a great person. And I think that's something worth sharing. Um, I don't know. I don't, if that's something that can be taught or if that's something instilled in a person. I think it's something that I think can it is. be taught. Absolutely. I think it is. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And um, I think that's like one of my favorite things about me is it's just like to have that open confidence of just knowing that everybody can be your friend if you just say hi. <laughs> they may not like it, but you can at least try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're putting out the vibe, usually you attract the others that, you know, at that, at that same level. Exactly. Um, and then others at other vibes, they just kind of, you know, slide off and that, and that's okay too. And that's okay too. Um, <laughs> Kindness goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Um, you know, with, it, and it was said by one philosopher, can't, I can't remember the name, um, after so much study and, and so much uh, research about the human experience, um, at the end of the day, uh, one of the things that the, the most important thing that this philosopher said was, well, at the end of the day, what I learned is just be a little bit kinder. Mm -hmm and and just be a little bit kinder and yeah. <laughs> that's really the lesson of the story it takes. Yeah. <laughs> love kindness like it's not it's not it's not that complicated it's not hard it doesn't have no. to be <laughs> <laughs> and that's all my grandparents needed to do is just be like just just love her <laughs> she'll be fine she'll figure it out just just give the girl some love <laughs> so and it's not hard to to grow up and appreciate things in Berkshire County I mean we live in such a beautiful area there's so much so many things to do so many things to appreciate so yeah. It's not hard to be happy here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good place. So, um, and with a, with a, a budding industry with, um, you know, uh, grass ceiling or not, um, I know, <laughs> I know, uh, but, um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, as, as you look ahead, um, you know, where do you see your career going? Um, could, I mean, I, I always look at, uh, as you grow in this industry, you know, ownership at some point, um, is that something that's on your mind? Um, oh goodness. I never thought of that. <laughs> oh, there. Now you have an idea. I there are things I want to do. There are projects that I want to create and see through. Um, I don't know if I specifically want to own my own business. If I want to have people work for me, I don't know if that's just something that I, see for me personally. Um, but you never know things can change. Um, mm -hmm. 
But one of my biggest goals, and just hear me out, because if it actually happens, I'm going to be like, come back to this yeah. podcast. And on, like, I told you so. It's on record. It's on record. Well, you don't have to tell you. It's told you so, because this, you know, this is, this <laughs> we're going to make is, it happen. This is an evergreen podcast. <laughs> Everyone will, will hear this. So, <laughs> so you're going to see one of my photos on a billboard in Times Square in New York City. And it's going to happen. And that's probably one of my biggest goals is to just walk into Times Square and just look up at the billboard and just my face. I don't even want to know what my face looks like when I see it, <laughs> but I've just been following the New York cannabis um, market that's, you know, starting to evolve and it's just coming out right now. I went and sat at a few, um, just some talks and stuff, just hearing what they have going on and some conferences and stuff. And they've got some pretty good ideas. And I'm like, mm. it's now's the time to get into it and expand out of Massachusetts a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, what about the big apple? Because you know they're going to get in there. So it's a matter of who's going to get in there first. It's going to be me. You heard it on here first. All right. All right. Well, Jocelyn. we're speaking it into an existence. <laughs> That's right. We're manifesting it right here, right now. Um, it's Jocelyn Moody, a great pleasure, uh, you know, having a conversation with you and, and learning more about this industry. And, and I think, um, you know, I think it's something that people should be thinking about because when you have different opportunities that are out there and, and you're especially young people who are considering different careers. And I, and I don't think people consider careers maybe in the same way they did maybe 20 years ago, mm -hmm. but, but they still do. Um, I, I feel as though that this has to be, and, and, and kudos to Berkshire community college for, uh, creating that program, uh, because that again, it's saying, okay, what is going to make someone employable? What's going to make someone to be able to do great business, having this as a possibility in this market is, is, seems to be a no brainer. So uh, kudos to, to BCC for that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think that people ought to be thinking about uh, this industry and, mm -hmm. and finding what other opportunities there are, are for them. So, uh, so I really appreciate that. And you're, you are in the industry and you've been, you know, from the, um, from the, but, Bud tender. Bud tender. <laughs> <laughs> to photography and everything in between. Um, that's that's fantastic. So uh, did we miss anything? No, I don't think. I think we covered it we all. Covered it all. <laughs> Jocelyn, great pleasure. And uh, we'll be seeing you down the road. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the John Kroll podcast on your platform of choice. Maybe it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever works for you. Also, I would like to hear from you on the people and the stories that you'd like to hear more of. Send me a note through Facebook Messenger, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm easy to find and I'm easy to reach. I look forward to hearing from you. And if you'd like to support the podcast for less than a cup of coffee, and I'm not talking about the cost of a large latte at a fancy coffee shop, no, more like a McDonald's coffee, go into the description of this episode and scroll down to the anchor.fm link. It's right there. Just click it and you can see your options or log on to anchor.fm backslash John hyphen Kroll backslash support. Again, thank you for listening. I'm John Kroll. Talk to you soon.